Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here is your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I am your host, Zachary Small, and today I have a very special guest. If you've listened to previous episodes, you've heard me talking about the sponsor, PeacefulFathers.com. Well, I've got the founder, you know, the owner of PeacefulFathers.com, Anthony Migliarino. He's on the episode today. We're going to do a quick Q&A from questions I've fielded from other fathers who wanted to know a little more about peaceful parenting, about Anthony himself, and about how you can bring that healing and that mindset into a home that maybe didn't start out that way. So how you can you can write the ship, better connect with your children, have a healthy relationship. So with that, Anthony, welcome to the show. How you doing, Zach? Thanks for having me on again, brother. I appreciate it. And I look forward to the talk. Yes, sir. All right. So let's just dive right into this. You know, you are running peacefulfathers.com. And that blog is now really picking up steam. You know, the social media is growing, the blog's growing, the views are growing, you're starting to pop another podcast. What, you know, dialing this back, what got you on this path? Why did you choose PeacefulFathers.com as your URL and as the message you wanted to share, you know, in the world of social media and just content creation? All right. So I do have, I have three children. Um, My daughters are 23 and 20 and I have a 15 year old son. So Peaceful Fathers is is definitely a reflection of how I've parented and, and led my family in my own home. And it it came to me really as a vision and as an idea when my son was born probably 15 years ago. Prior to that, uh, you know, our home was definitely, you know, was a peaceful home. Um, I, I wasn't hitting my kids or we did punish, we, we had, you know, it wasn't ideal, but we were working on it. Um, I became a father at a young age. My wife was 19 and I was just turned 20 years old when I had my first child, my first daughter, Juliana. And um, it, it was tough. It was difficult back then. But I think when you become a father, there's something that hits you. There's, there's something that connects that you have a, a child that you have to take care of. And for me, I never lost that, right? That's something that stayed with me for the entire childhood of my of my children. Like I, I couldn't let that go. I knew I had to be their protector, their provider, but I also knew I had to give them love and, and kindness and acceptance. You know, I, I was really shaping and molding them. And the, the more that I got involved in this, uh, like I said, especially after my son was born, the more that I, I saw in the world, this wasn't happening, right? A lot, of, a lot of people became parents and they were excited. And then as time went on, they kind of despised their kids. They resented them. They, they went through hard times and they took it all out on their children. So I saw this happening all over. And I, I knew I didn't want to be like that. And that made me inspired to even work harder. It got me motivated to, you know, I, I saw a problem and I was like, how can I help fathers? How can I help men? This isn't how it's supposed to be. Men shouldn't be going through pain with getting their child to go to bed at night 
or getting them to brush their teeth. This, these are things that we can solve real easy. And as I continued down that path, you know, everything started with me. Everything started with me becoming a better man, me living with higher and better standards and values in my life. And once I started taking care of myself, I was much more capable of helping my family and helping my kids. So it's it's been 23 years. I've been with my wife for um, 27 years now. And um, it's it's been a, a great time that we've built and nurtured and created this family that, you know, I'm, I'm hoping other fathers can get to experience by me sharing my story. You know, I think that echoes with many content creators is when you see the thing that for whatever reason stands out to you. So for you seeing the the conflict where there could be peace, seeing that motivation you have in yourself, you're like, well, anybody could have, every father should have this. This feels so good. I want to share it. You know, you, you find something you can't stop talking about. That's exactly how the family alpha was born. It's the same story. You know, you look at many other ones, you know, uh, blogs that are out there, successful books, things of that nature. The author couldn't not talk about it. And I like the angle you take for obvious reasons, you know, focusing on family, focusing on parenting. It's something I take very personal and very serious. But in that intro or in that breakdown, you shared something that covers one of the questions I had. And that was, you said you were working on yourself first. You were, you were making you a better version of you, I guess. How do you do that while leading the family? How do you make the time to make yourself, which sometimes requires selfishness, how do you make time for you and time for a wife and time for bringing that child up? It's a, it's a difficult task. Um, I, I, I would say a big part of it is mindset. And with me, there came a point in time in my life where I, I didn't want to complain anymore. I, I didn't want to say that I can't do this. And I didn't want to look at life as it was just how things are. Right, that it was this is reality and this is what I have to deal with. I, I made a shift and I started to say to myself that you know I can create life, I can make it whatever I want. Um, and I I feel like that mindset became more clear to me as I started to learn about parenting, as I started to learn more about the psychology and how we should raise kids and you know how we can put limits on our children without even knowing it from ourselves not growing. So. When that all started to connect, that's when I, you know, I, I just took it and went full steam. React from what it was 10 years ago, um, learning how to invest my money, learning how to invest in cryptocurrencies and making money in that. And, you know, even bringing that to my marriage and, you know, me and my wife, we've definitely had our, our ups and downs through the last 27 years and never once would it, was it easy, but for, for some reason, we just kept staying on course and saying, Hey, you know what? We're building this. We have to make it better. We have to continue to trust each other. We have to continue. It, it came through a lot of hard work. It was never easy, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad we're, we're at where we're now, where we are now. And I think um, what we're doing now will benefit our kids greatly when they start to have families and, and they get into their own element.
So in that, going full steam ahead, you know, it makes me wonder, was it the birth of your child that gave you that fuel to push yourself to your best self? Or had something happened before or after and you, you happen to be a dad when this other thing happened or maybe before your child, that, that switch flipped in your head? And the reason I ask is a lot of men, that's where they're stuck. It's not that they, they don't want to be a good, like they do want to be a good dad, but they haven't unlocked that pushing themselves to be their best yet. So they're not, they can't give their child their best. So would you, was it the birth of the kid? Was it something else? What made you want to be the best you? Um, I think it definitely was when my son was born. Um, you know, I, I always tried to be a good dad when I had my two daughters, but when he was born, I, I saw this as a, as an awakening where, you know, now I have to raise a man, right? He's, he's a, a little baby boy. He's going to grow up into, into a man one day. And I, I think that was one of the main things that clicked is I have to set a good example for him, right? I have to make sure that he's going to be the type of man who lives with virtue, who do, who, who is, who is kind, not nice, but kind, who's willing to help other people because he's been working on himself and he's strong and capable to, to offer that strength and that courage to other people. And I decided that's who I wanted to be. And for me to go down that path, um, it, it was obviously something new and it was hard. There was a lot of lessons I had to learn in that time. But I also think like what we have now with the fraternity of excellence and, and a lot more support with men helping each other, being honest and, and encouragement. I don't really remember that being too much of a thing back then. And, and you know, I had to put my head down and, and go forward. So the reason why I have peaceful fathers, a part of the, a part of that is to help other men maybe fast track that, right? I, I've been through it. I've dealt with the annoying children, the nagging children and, and having to find patience in myself and, and build, you know, my, build my frame where I'm strong enough to withstand anything that a little child is going to throw at me, not flip out, not overreact. I became more responsive. I was able to deal with problems. And, you know, if I can help dads get past that more quickly uh, and easily, then, I, you know, I, I think that's a, a huge advantage that we can have helping other fathers. I couldn't agree more. You know, and honestly, I think that's a large part of the problem. And that's why I'm really glad I was able to get you on for this podcast is that the conversation on fatherhood is not one that's commonly had. And it's weird in society at, at the societal level, fathers getting together to, to the men going to talk about men things and leading their sons rarely, if ever do fathers ever find that, you know, you speak to men, how many books have you read on fitness? Oh, I've got like five. I've got starting strength. I've got this lean gains. I've got that, you know, whatever, the, whatever. All right. How many on finance? Oh, Dave Ramsey. Oh, check this out. Debt reduction. Oh, rich dad, poor dad. Okay. How many have you read on fatherhood? Crickets, <laughs> nothing. And then here comes you out of freaking nowhere, you know, like, Hey, check this out. Not only am I going to talk about fatherhood, I'm basing my entire brand and message on this discussion. That's not something that most would recommend. <laughs> you know, I, the family alpha, 
that was not very well received. Sex sells, dating sells, money sells, girls sell. Being a father and being a husband, what? Don't go go in your own little corner, sit down and shut up in color. That's sort of the the cliche, you know, response that men give. Oh, married men, fathers, they're out of the game. Yet you're here saying, no, like you've got to pick up that torch. Men like you, uh, Tanner Guzzi, Phil Foster, uh, Craig James, all, all these other fathers that we're operating with, their children and my children, and through my experience, push to greater heights. They're the fuel. And it's interesting to see the fathers who start talking about being a father, that shift occurs. All of a sudden, that anchor and that annoying child is motivation to be even better men. Do you think that in the discussion on fatherhood, or at least through what you're pushing, I mean, you became a sponsor on the Family Alpha podcast. You're out there, you're on all these other podcasts sharing this. Do you think this discussion is going to catch and take hold? Yeah, I would say don't underestimate us. I I think that this is, we're seeing this for a reason. And, you know, like you were saying before, money and, and women and status, you know, that's been a driving factor for a lot of men for a long time. And it, it's kind of gotten us into this political environment where, you know, people's lives are empty. So I think this is coming back and this is something that people need because we're starting to understand how important families are. We're, we're starting to see how important a father is in the home. And there's, you know, a lot of statistics that show this, you know, all the negative effects of not having a father. And I think it's becoming more relevant now because of what we see. And I see a, a point in time where there will be this this passion and d- this desire where young men are growing up and they want to be good dads. Like it's something that's going to be cool, right? They were, they're going to say, yeah, I want to have kids. I want to be a good dad. I want to play baseball with my kid. I want to connect with my children. It's going to be language we haven't heard in a really probably ever in history. But I think this is where it's going because it's it's pure, it's honest, it's true. When you look at most of the warrior cultures, you look at most of the, when you think of like masculine attributes, there was that rite of passage. Everybody goes to the Spartans as the most hyper-masculine dudes. They had a gogi. They had pipelines, not just for their sons, but also for their daughters. And everybody skips that part of it. Yeah. And I, I I wish I could go back and you know see everybody listening to this face when you're talking about that. Because they're probably thinking, oh, my son, I can connect with my son. I can bring my son. You have two daughters and a son, correct? Yeah. You're there for all of them. You're not, you're not just, oh, you know, my son, he's the man, so I lead him. No, I've, you've shared some of the interactions with your daughters. I've seen some of their work on Instagram where they're crushing it. And it's, this is an entire family unit that's connected. And a lot of the fathers listening to this, they'll hear like, oh, because I get my son, that's, yeah, I got it, brah, I got it. That's not how that works. You know, it's the daughters, it's the, it's the entire family and coming up as a kid, I wanted to be that dad, you know, like, like as a young boy, (laughs) I remember like, yeah, I'm going to get a wife. I'm going to have a bunch of kids. Like we're going to get out. I'm going to be the coolest dad ever. Like I'm going to be badass, like Conan, my little kids like running around, just conquering the world. That's not a common thought nowadays because of divorce statistics, you know, because of the way society has structured the school system and the workforce, dads are always gone and kids are always gone. And then when they're together, it's like everybody's quote unquote relaxing. How are you pushing against that narrative in your life? Because it's, it's, it isn't the easiest thing. It's, it's almost like the whole world set against your message 
of unity and connection. It's almost like divide and go on social media and go on the internet and go on Netflix. Never go sit down and talk to your parents or parents sit down and have a conversation, a real conversation with your children. Yeah, I mean, we honestly, we push back against it every day. Um, I would say one of the best ways we do it is we, me and my wife, we create traditional rituals. And one of the, the best ones that we have is family dinners. And I think nothing is more powerful than that. Um, so with my kids now, family dinners have become, um, it's almost my two daughters, they cook dinner for us just about every night. And we, we made it about eating healthy food. We made it about conversation. And it, it's really not even about eating. It's, it's just about the time that we get to share with each other. Uh, another thing we do is we go camping a lot. I get my kids out in the woods, you know, whether we're going hiking, fishing. And I truly believe that if, if you can work on those connections and you can get your kids away from the noise, that's where you're going to have the good conversation, the real talks. That's where you're going to, you're going to learn to enjoy each other's company, right? It doesn't always have to be so meaningful and deep. Sometimes it's just being out at a campsite by the lake and roasting marshmallows and then just enjoying being with each other. Um, you know, the, the world is so chaotic right now. And I don't, I don't really deal with politics. I don't follow politics too much. I try to keep it out of my life. Um, you know, my kids, they, I would say that they, they're pretty good with who they are and where they want to go and, um, pretty confident as people. And I think that they see, they get a lot of pushback from other people because the mess, not, not because of the message I have, but just because who they are and what they believe, right? They don't quickly and easily follow what everybody else is doing. They actually have their own opinions and their own mindset. So it, again, it, it starts with, with the parents, um, keeping your kids engaged and, and not having them distracted by all the noise that's outside. I don't, I don't know where you wanted to go with that. I mean, I could, I could talk about the federal reserve and taxation is theft. We don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I did know that you bring up a good point though. You know, your kids will face uh, some sort of conflict or pushback because they're going to be brought up in a space that's different than their peers. And it's, it's cool when they come to you and they, they see the things you see. So when their friends come over, these kids who are tyrants at home, you know, they're, they're horrible, they're terrible. Yet when they come into your home, that, that kid, you know, your child's friend, totally good manners, well-behaved. It's the environment they're being brought up in. And these people who look at their children as like, oh, you know, you're just a disaster. It's almost like they, they, they take all, they remove all responsibility for this. Oh, that's just a bad kid. My kid's just, he doesn't like to go to sleep or my kid, he's just, he won't sit still. I wonder how many of these parents, if any, are taking the moment to realize like this is a product of the environment you've created. You have turned this kid into what he is, you know, and if you take that kid out and put him anywhere else, maybe a better environment, all of a sudden he's calm. All of a sudden he has an outlet. All of a sudden somebody's listening to his wants and what it is he needs. And that's not a common discussion that's had. Again, that's why I really dig what it is you're doing. You're getting people to think, you know, and, and on the topic, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and I think that's where the peaceful fathers comes into play. So 
I believe we have to hold men accountable. They have to take responsibility, not just of providing and protecting their kids, but building, shaping, molding, nurturing, and, and growing them. And what you just described is so many parents do. You know, my kid's bad. He's not well-behaved. My kid's hyperactive. It, it doesn't matter what your kid is. What matters is how you treat them based on sound, fair, and honest principles. So most parenting that we see, you know, from a father's perspective might seem weak. It might seem like, oh, you have to do everything for your kid. You have to cater to them and you have to make sure you're not hurting their feelings. But that's not my approach to parenting. My, my approach is based on principles. It's based on, um, you know, not using aggression or violence against your kid, but teaching and guiding them. And I think men need to be held accountable for that. That's something that other fathers should be pushing to other fathers to be good dads. And, um, you know, you, you don't see it too often. They'll, they'll push men in every other direction. Got to make more money. You got to have a successful business. You have to have sex with your wife. So I, I think that's something that I bring to the table that most parenting um, websites or blogs don't. Is we have to really we have some hard work to do, and you have to be a man. And you have to be competent and dedicated to create a good family. Would you say that the the macro sort of reflects that? You know, we had a conversation on countries that go to war. We um, corporal punishment. There are certain countries out there that have made it illegal, and it's you look at all the chaos going on right now. And I I totally ripped this line from you, but <laughs> there are the parents who are saying, you know, uh, do what I say because I said so. And these same parents go to the keyboard, they clack away, resist the government. Why are you blindly obeying their rules? And they, the cognitive dissonance there could not be more obvious, you know, but it's, it's people like you who are pointing it out time and time again that I'm wondering, you know, maybe there is some hope for this. And I'm Mr. Optimistic. But when I see it, and there, to a degree, there's an echo chamber. I get that. But your message keeps catching. And I'm seeing your name in more and more places. And I'm hearing more and more people, maybe not saying Miglierino, but all of a sudden they're saying, well, hey, peaceful parenting. And I'm like, what is, why is this all of a sudden trending? Why is this catching on? Are people starting to see like, oh man, now that this dude said it, you know, now that you entered the, the arena and you shared your message, they start looking at themselves. And I, I wonder what your perception is on society at large reflecting what's happening in the homes. Yeah, I think men definitely need a, a masculine outlet to parenting. Um, I think that's something that's needed. It, it's something that's desired, right? We, we, we have, like I said before, we have all this information. A lot of it's from women. A lot of it's for not hurting feelings. But I, I think we need that, that passion, that fire on, from a masculine perspective where, you know, men can take pride once again in being a father, being a dad. They can they can honor that system, but um, to to go back to the other question, you know, b between corporal punishment in different countries, um, and the connection with creating a violent culture from how we treat our children, right? If we're using violence and aggression and force against our kids, we're going to create a society that that accepts that that allows it, and I think we see that throughout the world right now. Um, you know, Sweden banned spanking in 1970, I believe. And they have 
a really small prison population. They have a, a lot of, um, not a lot of violent offenders. And we're in the United States where 81% of parents still spank their kids. Um, a lot of schools still let teachers hit their kids with paddles and switches. And I, I think it's a reflection of the society we have, right? We, we go to war a lot. We, we occupy a lot of other countries. We have a whole society that's really the ruling class is preying upon the weaker, right? They take our money, they take our income tax. We don't do anything about it. And whenever there's any political instability, everybody's out in the streets fighting. It's everybody's so reactive and they have no control over their emotions. So when I see that, that's like, it's, it's a huge home, right? It's, it's somebody's huge house that's so out of order as opposed to what I'm doing is I wanna bring peace and, and order to my home. And then hopefully, you know, with my kids raising their children peacefully and, and so on, eventually society will start to take a shape. So I'm to take shape in a, a more positive aspect. And I'm, I'm definitely optimistic about that. You know, as I, as I continue to share your content and as I continue to read more and I'll put stuff out there, it's almost, and just stay with me here. <laughs> when you look at bringing up, Hey parents, stop hitting your kids. It's like, we're going all the way back, you know, pre-civil war. Hey, maybe owning slaves isn't a good idea. You know, when you, when you bring that up, like, what are you, are you kidding me? The, they were willing to defend that to the point of splitting a country and fighting tooth and nail against their neighbors. People truly are that sensitive to this discussion. I have caught, so I, I copied AJ's list on what makes a feminine woman. And that shit got me published in UK papers. I was all over the globe. It, that shit went viral upon viral because I was telling women, hey, here's the standard. When I bring up, don't hit your kids. It's like the same fire catches. People are super emotionally tied to this. So when I hear that teachers can hit kids, parents can hit kids. Everybody's sort of like, yeah, well, they're kids. At no point are we looking back, like, think about what you're doing. You're an adult smacking this thing to make it conform to the box you wanted inside. When it breaks that box, there has to be punishment. And I'm looking at this, like, how fucked up are we <laughs> to, to tolerate this, to think that that's normal? When you were doing this, did you, did you expect the backlash you were going to get? Or did you find out along the way and just said, fuck it, I'm doubling down. I'm going to write even more. I'm going to make an Instagram too. Oh, I'm going to make a blog. And guess what? I'm going to talk about it on podcasts. I'm going to show you. You're not going to hold me down. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be perceived a little more lightly. I thought people would be like, yeah, this is a great idea. We, we should stop hitting our kids. But then I, I guess you see how tight this holds people trapped in their own childhood trauma. This this is a vicious cycle, um, but I, I would say that I've I've definitely gotten a lot more positive feedback than negative. You know, I've got a lot of guys who are creating great relationships with their kids, and for me, that's what it's about. You know, hearing guys who are are bettering their lives, and really doing the work to become better fathers. Um, you know what you were saying before with slavery. You know, back then they didn't think it was wrong, right? They and if you questioned it, they would attack you. They would say, well, you know, who's going to pick the vegetables and the cotton? And what are we going to do if we don't have slaves? 
what matters is we treat other humans with dignity and respect. We, we don't enslave them. So it's the same thing, same argument, different, you know, different subject. We don't hit people. We don't hit our wives. We don't hit our friends. Let's stop hitting children. Let's hold to that principle and let not only express it, but call other people out on it. Right. If you see a grown person or adult hitting a kid, say, hey, man, don't don't do that. That's not right. Um, and and even within your family, make it more aware. Right. Make sure your kids know that hitting other kids is not appropriate. Make sure they know that when they see it, right, they should maybe speak out. You know, the same way if if you saw another man hitting his wife. I hope we would intervene in some way. I hope we would try to stop it and tell that guy, hey, listen, you're messing up. So it's it's definitely a touchy subject, um, but at the same time, it's challenging. Right? I, I see it as a challenge. I see it that maybe this is something that I need to work harder on and I need to bring more light to a, a dark subject. Well, that's the thing. Having men who can rise up it's it's not so much the first person. You rising up and saying, guys, stop hitting your kids. That's really well and good and absolutely necessary. But it's the second, third, 15th, 30th dude behind you who's like, they, they take your light. They light their own match. And all of a sudden, they're a beacon. They're what turns your, your spark into a bonfire. And these men that are rallying around, dude, I, I could not be a greater champion for, for this discussion because I do think we're in a time where a lot is changing. And this may be one of the things that it's almost like 2020 shook the board and now you get to put the pieces back. And maybe we can put a piece out of conflict, out of arguing. You know, my, my wife got a really cool photo yesterday of the kids doing jujitsu. And like, my son has my daughter in a headlock, but like their, their arms and their legs are all twisted up. It's like a human pretzel. And these kids are like, they're going at it. And it was really cool. But inside the home, they love each other. You know, you hear a lot about kids beating the crap out of each other. You know, there's a lot of kids who are like screaming and hating and there's a lot of anger in the home. And I'm like, man, like if you were ever to reset your life and that, that connection inside, there is a way to, to discipline a child without corporal punishment. There is a way to have a home that is, is structured and you guys are on the same program without force, without yelling, without any any semblance of violence whatsoever. And I know this because I live this and I'm no, you know, people hearing this podcast right now, they often think, well, you're the kind of guy who has a podcast and you're the kind of guy that would go and do this. And you're that kind of, and they're always pointing as to why somebody else, it works for them, but that wouldn't work for my wife and my kids because X, Y, Z. And I'm always like, that's absolute bullshit. You know, you can go ahead and you can build the exact family you want to have. It just takes works and consistency and reps. And when it comes to all the men you've worked with, you know, you run a weekly zoom inside FOE. You know, I, I constantly share like, hey, how do I spend my Thursdays talking about being a better father? For these yeah. men, it might be as simple as that. Just start thinking. Just start reading. You know, PeacefulFathers.com. Start going into the blog post. Uh, Stefan Molyneux, you know, you mentioned his work. A lot of the books. Uh, Dr. William Farrell. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff out there. The Boy Crisis was a really interesting read for me. But there's so many books on parenting. Just grab one. Just start that process. You know, and one of the questions that was sent to me was, did you grow up in a peaceful home? And is that sort of, you saw that and you wanted to replicate it in your own family? Or, or how, how was your childhood, I guess? 
Um, yeah, I mean, my home was pretty stable. I had, my father was a hardworking man and, um, mom, mom was a stay at home mom. So I I think we were the outliers. Um, even back then there there were, you know, there was more, I guess there were more families built on that foundation back then than there are now, because right now it's getting out of control. But, um, I would say where I grew up, you know, my, my family, it was stable, it was healthy. My parents were great. They they definitely did a good job with raising me and my sister. Um, <clears throat> they gave us a lot of love. Um, you know, we, we all have our faults. We all make mistakes. But I, I think what might have um, changed my approach and how I see family is all the dysfunction that was in my neighborhood. All the kids that were getting beat, violently, physically beaten. All the kids that were getting... Um, screamed and yelled at and punished and seeing them grow up and have so much pain as, as I'm growing up over here. And I'm like, you know what? My life's pretty good. My dad just said, work hard, right? Take care of your kids, take care of your family, be a man. Um, and I saw so many of my friends struggle with that, right? They're in and out of jail their whole life. They're addicted to drugs. And it, it made me realize that they were hiding from something, that they were feeling all this pain that they couldn't deal with. And I, I thought back and I'm like, man, their childhoods were horrendous. They got, forget about abuse, they got tortured, most of them. They got violently beaten by their mother, by their father, you know, bars of soap in their mouth. Um, if they said a curse word, just ways that you are not supposed to raise a child, to treat a child. Um, so I, I think, being that person who had engaging parents and loving parents and then seeing everything else that that definitely set the stage for how I was going to raise my kids. And again, that's why I'm optimistic about what my kids are going to do and my grandkids. And it's, it's why I'm hopeful that the more men that I can speak to about this, the, that much of a greater effect it will have on their families, on their communities. And I really think that's how we're going to build and create a better year for 2021 than 2020 was. No, I think that's a great line of thought. And to push it even further, how many of these parents and families that are in these combative dysfunctional homes, it's a product of the adult or the mother or father having to fix themselves. It's not the kid they're mad at. It's the stress of their day to day. It's their past. You know, this it's more self work than, having to, to fix that relationship. It's like your relationship with yourself. If you can heal that, well, now you're not having these outbursts on the kid for spilling their drink. Or it's it's like people are so on edge that it's like they can't even be calm with their kids. They just want to just tune out and get away from everything. And a kid's just another thing in the way. You know, how much of it is it's just unresolved inner trauma and not so much the child himself. They're just the outlet. Yeah, probably a large percentage, a huge percentage of that. Well, then where does a person start? You know, if if you agree with that, then where where does someone who needs to do that inner work, they come to you, Anthony, like, I'm tired of beating my kid. Where do I start the process of of channeling that? You know, I I, it's just a habit. It's how I was brought up. I want to break the cycle. I just don't know how because that's my only default behavior. Yeah, well, like I said earlier, it's about mindset. It's about anything that you're going to do in life that you want to improve. Um, the good thing with parenting and, you know, even 
what we do inside the inside of FOE is there's always ways to get help. There's always ways to improve, right? You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to wake up every day and hate your kids and scream and yell at them and physically abuse them, emotionally abuse them. There are, you know, there are so many resources now that you can get help from. And you can, I, I mean, I would say that you, you really have to want to do it, one, right? You, you really have to look at your life and say, hey, I need to fix this. These are, this is what I'm going to work on. And that applies to anything, right? Whether you're overweight, whether you're poor, you're broke, you have no money, you have to get dialed in and focused. Um, I think we, sometimes we get too spread out. We're doing too many things and we can never really fix one thing. For me, becoming a dad at a young age, I knew right away, that's where I had to get dialed in. That's where I had to stay focused. That was the most important, right? And that set the stage for my life being able to, to make money, to be successful, to run a successful business, to create a successful marriage. It's, it all comes together, but it, I think it ultimately is, you have to do the work. You have to want to, and you have to want to create a good life and you have to envision what that life looks like, right? It's not just going to happen. As you were saying that I was thinking of sobriety, you know, for me, it was, it was alcohol, you know, that kind of had its, its hooks in my soul and, I hit that wall. I hit that moment. I was like, I want to be better. Like, I, I want to be my best self. And to do that, I had to, this was an anchor on me, you know, and, and everybody has their thing. For some, it's food. For some, it's it's that trauma they can't get away from. They're, they're stuck in this loop. For some, it's poverty. Like you said, the, the poverty cycle is a real thing. For me, it was alcohol. And when I hit that point where I was like, this, this is no good. I want better. I think other fathers, if they could have that moment with their parenting, but it's not as obvious. When you see alcohol, you're like, this liquid is bad. I got to get rid of it. With parenting, few think on their reflection. But I would love to see fathers, maybe it's after an episode, you know, and this is kind of a seed in their head and the kid flips out and they yell at them. Like, I wish more fathers in that moment would stop and be like, I don't have to do this. There is another way to deal with this conflict. And dude, I can't tell you like how grateful I am for you sharing the uh, asking your children how you're doing as a father, that piece of advice, like I, I was, a, I am a great father. <laughs> I'm involved. I'm present. I'm motivated. Uh, these kids are squared away. We're all, la- it's a good, nice, healthy home. At least I think so. <laughs> and I'm sure it is. When I asked them though, you know, I was always like, all right, talking to people like you uh, going into FOE, having chats with those men, you know, and even online, like, you know, this is what I do. What do you think? You know, here's the angle I'm taking with my kids. What do you guys think? Then at no point had I thought, you know, hey, how are the kids doing? Like, hey, guys, like, how do you guys think I'm doing? Where, where do you think I could be better? And they were just like, no, you're awesome. Like, I love you. And I was like, all right, that's, that's really cool. It's not really constructive, but at least nothing obvious came. And I asked myself, you know, am I, are they afraid to say something because they don't want to hurt my feelings? Like, they say, oh, no, you're a great dad. I love you. Or is it that there's not much? And in that, I started going further. I started looking at our interactions, the kind of questions they would ask. And there were a few times I caught myself realizing that I, I was missing some opportunities to sit in like, hey, how did you come to this conclusion? Or, hey, what, what made you want to do that instead of this? And they would tell me their, their thought process. And I'm like, oh, wow, like, that's really cool. Or, hey, did you ever think about it this way? It's, it's really, it's a game changer when you start meeting them on their level and you start letting their input be your buoys as to right and wrong. Because so often the table's flipped. I'll talk to another dad. Where's the right and left buoy? 
I'll talk, like I said, online, or I'll think myself, this is good, this is bad. But when the kids are like, oh, no, like, I thought this or maybe that, like, all right, so that's the buoys. Like, cool, like, that's where you are in all this and the kind of person you are and where you're coming from. I really, it sounds like such a simple thing, but it has such a big impact. And it's so crazy that we don't even think of it. Like, it never crossed my mind until I heard you say it. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad to hear it. And I, I think we have to remember that they're kids, you know, and kids are awesome. They should be, they should be treated that way, right? They're human. They're little human beings. They don't have the same capabilities of a, as an adult would. And I think what you said is perfect. We have to get down to their level sometimes, right? We we can't always have these high standards that they have to meet, and it, it doesn't always have to be about where they're going, right? What they're going to become, what job they're going to get, what school they're going to go to. It should be more about are they enjoying life? Are they becoming good people? Are we giving them the skills? to be assertive, to be resilient, to be capable, to be committed when they do something. And we show them that not only by what we do in our own adult life, but giving that to them, right? Giving them the patience, listening to what they have to say and and really being engaged and really caring about what they might be going through instead of, you know, if, if your kid has a problem that they're dealing with and they're not listening to you or misbehaving and right away you want to scream and yell your kid automatically thinks dad doesn't care about me right so i think that those are things over time that we have to change and it's it's okay to make mistakes right we don't want to we're not saying we're creating a perfect home but when you make mistakes apologize right when when you go off course a little bit make a correction and, and find out from your kid what you did wrong. How do I need to be better? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, you know, I, I post stuff like that on Twitter and I, I do get pushback, right? Everybody's like, they're the kid. They don't tell you what to do. And never do I ask my kid what I should do. <laughs> I never say, hey, guys, you know, should I drive that way or make a right? I say, hey, am I being a good dad? I care about being a good dad. Give me feedback. So it's a little bit of a distinction there. People, they just miss it. It goes right over their head. How much of that do you think is the man or, or even mother lacking control in their own life? And that's the only outlet where they are in charge. So they've got to assert. Maybe their boss is shitting on them. Maybe society's shitting on them. But in that moment, I'm in charge. Yeah. It's a power. It's, it's not only a power struggle, but it's, it might be the one time that parent feels like they're in control that they, they really have power over somebody because they've been mistreated or they've been abused. And um, you know, one thing we, we talk a lot about in the fatherhood Zooms is giving your kid power, right? Letting them understand what their power is so they don't abuse it. So they have a good grasp of it. And you know, if, if it's something as simple as, um, you know, what do you wanna have for breakfast? Eggs? or cereal, let them make the choice. The goal is, is that they eat and they get some energy and fuel in their body for the morning, right? Don't always demand that they have to do something. And I think that's a good, you know, it's a good lesson for them to, to understand that they have control over their choices. So maybe when they grow up and their kid doesn't listen, they don't have to abuse that power over them as well. Yeah, that brings up a story. I threw it on Twitter. You know, would you let your kid stay up five minutes past their bedtime if there's five minutes left in the movie they were watching? And some parents were like, no, because the bedtime is the bedtime. 
And I'm like, where, like the rules that you put in your family to raise the standard are not meant to divide the family. And there's such strict adherence. And I'm like, dude, you are, you make a pass for your drinking, for your spending. You make, there's a pass for everything, you know, in your life for there to be fluidity to that boundary. But when it comes to your children, you're absolutely as rigid as can be. And I've never understood that. And it, it popped in my head as you were saying this power thing. It's, it's almost like they're looking to flex on them. Oh, you have to. And not one minute. That's the type of man I am. I will not budge. That's not what makes you a man. That's not what makes you a good father is that, that adherence to these obscure rules. You know, like if the kids have to stay up 10 minutes past their bedtime to finish a movie we're watching as a family, that's more important. You know, if they're going to read and like, oh, I got two more pages. Lights out right now. It's, it's 8.30, you two, when you go to bed at 8.30. Why are we bringing that sort of pressure upon ourselves and upon our relationship with the kids? And I wonder if you have an answer to that. You know, why do you, why do you think, like, where does that come from? That, that weird sense of the, <laughs> I don't even know what to call it, to be honest, that adherence to these strict rules that are made up out of wherever, and there's yeah. no budge to it. I don't get it. I definitely think it comes from being unhappy with ourselves. Uh, it definitely comes from low self-esteem. And, you know, you, you can't, you can't expect your children to adhere to standards that you don't apply in your own life, right? We, we can't have these, these moral standards and say, this is bedtime. You have to go and go to bed now. Can't be one minute past, one second past. You have to do it. And then if you're showing them that every time you have an appointment, you're late and, you know, you just apologize to the person. Sorry, I'm late. Well, then we have to allow our kids the same freedom, right? They have to know that there is a schedule, but it's okay if, if we break it. You know, it's, it's not going to destroy them for life. It's not going to set them up for failure. What it will do is it will cause conflicts that never get resolved. That always cause resentment and anger. You know, like I've said before, conflicts are okay. It's good to have problems. It's, it, there's, there's some kind of um, peace that comes with solving a, a conflict peacefully. <laughs> but what matters is how we get those things resolved. It's, it's how you get your kids to do the action, right? To go to bed on time, to brush their teeth before bed, to eat healthy food. If you always focus on what they're not doing, they're going to definitely believe that there's something wrong with them, right? Why can't I, why can't I stick to dad's rules? Can't dad can't be messed up, right? It can't be anything to do with dad. I have to, something wrong with me. And you know, the rules can be, they can be obscene, right? It could be, you have to read 30 pages in this book before you go to bed. <laughs> so I think it's, it's a part of being realistic and, and setting realistic goals for your kids but not always being overbearing and strict and demanding, allowing them some flexibility, the same way, way that you said, right? We want that flexibility in our own life. I always enjoy when the guys come at me. Well, because you don't spank your kids, they're going to be undisciplined and unruly, and you're going to have kids who are drug addicts. Dude, dude they go off the deep end. <laughs> I'm like, man, you think me not hitting my kid is going to turn them into a drug addict? Like, you are so far off, like, the, the field of play that I'm on right now, I don't even understand your mindset. But you look at, I wonder if part of that is them looking at their upbringing. And therefore, if, if they admit 
that their parents did something wrong or that they are currently placing their hands in their kids, that it's, again, back to that slave ownership. This has to be the right way. There is no other way. There's something wrong with you for saying this. And you're going to have undisciplined, unruly kids. And I shared, you know, and I don't share it every time because people wouldn't believe me. But whenever we're out to eat, my kids, they order for themselves. So my they're, they're small kids. They're 11 and 8. And they got their menu. And the waitress comes over. What would you like to drink? And they look at me. And I just sit back and I look at them. And, you know, my daughter, you know, whatever. My son, whatever. They order for themselves. They order their meals. And it, it always, at the end of it, I just want you to know, you know, your kids have such great manners. You know, that's thank you guys so much. Have a great night. And I'm like, these kids that don't get hit, though, (laughs) these kids that aren't getting spanked, you're saying they're the ones who are disciplined and have manners and care about other people. Very interesting, because Twitter doesn't believe that. (laughs) Twitter Twitter doesn't believe it when I say that. So how how do we get this notion that spanking equals disciplined or that (laughs) lack of corporal punishment is going to make weakness? I think it's through fear. You know, we I think that control comes from fear. And I think you, you see it now in the world, right? You have people who are afraid to go out in public. They're wearing two masks, three masks. Everybody's scared. They're afraid. And they listen to the rulers, right? They listen to whatever these people tell them without, without ever thinking about it. So, you know, most kids are probably afraid to order food at a restaurant. They'll look right at their dad, right? Because they've, they've never experienced that. It might be intimidating talking to the waiter. But I, I think the way that you break down that fear is you allow your kids freedom or you allow them to fail, to make mistakes. You allow them to, you know, the waiter to say, oh, I can't hear you. Can you speak up? And then he has to raise his voice so he can get a drink. Um, and I, I think, <clears throat> you know, that that is something that's going to come in full effect as they get older. Right. If, if you're not allowing them some sort of independence or some sort of pride of who they are and who they're becoming. As they get older, they're going to go out into the world and, and they're going to be afraid to be in the world. They're going to be scared. The world's going to seem scary and fearful. And I, I think that you you want your kids to go out and you want them to grow and, and be independent. This way they can they can accomplish things, right? They can know that the life is going to be tough, but they can fail. They can pick themselves back up. There's going to be things that might set them back a little bit but they know tr- truly and deep down that they're going to continue to move forward. Um, and that comes into play from when they're little. They have to be really dependent on their parents, right? Dad has to be the guy who they come to when they need to learn, when they need to figure something out. If you're the guy that's beating them down and screaming and yelling, you're going to set them up to grow up and become a teenager, to become an adult who's completely lost, who has no idea of who they are, what they want to do, because they've been beat down their whole life. So this is uh, multi-layered, right? This is generational. This is, uh, like I say all the time, you, you want to parent for what that's going to look like in 20 years. We, we have a chance now to prevent a lot of bad things that could happen later on. And looking at that, you know, from that lens, it's like we're raising them at fear of conflict, whether it be a spanking or just getting yelled at and berated until they're 18. That's how they're staying within their, their parameters. And at 18, it's like, oh, you're an adult. Go like, wait a minute. Like you, you treated me like a child. I couldn't even order my own meal, you know, and I couldn't even do this without your permission. I couldn't stay out later without your permission. I had to do everything with your permission. And now you're saying go. And they never flex that adult muscle. You know, the whole I'm adulting now. 
Yeah. That you need to be in full swing, full motion of making your own decisions and being your own individual by 18, not at 18. And it it's like, that's an oversight. Why is my kid moving out? Bro, your kid is afraid to go to the store. He's afraid to walk in Target and buy a fucking t-shirt. He doesn't know how to dress himself. Like, what do you mean? Why isn't he moving out? You didn't raise him to be a man or woman capable of living on their own. And, I, you know, I guess with that in mind, your kids, they're hitting that point. You know, they're becoming adults. Are you seeing this playing out to where they're more independent than their peers? Or, or are their peers also at this level? Well, my kids, they they have a really good sense of their self. Um, but I don't think it, you know, you're, you're a father forever. It doesn't end, right? So I'm constantly reassuring my children that, you know, if there's something they want to do, I'm like, you, you got this, you can do it, right? You just have to put in the time, the effort, there's nothing going to stop you. And when they were younger, it was more of a, a big push. Now it's just a little nudge, right? They're still, they have that confidence built up, but they, they still need guidance. They still need a little bit of direction. But for the most part, when they go out and set their mind to something and do it, they crush it, right? Whatever it may be. You know, my daughters are highly motivated, whether it's one of them, one of them's into fitness and yoga, baking cookies. The other one does pottery. Um, whatever they're doing, they really dive into it and have a passion for it. And I, I think that's a, a great way where we should be with our kids, right? It's not always about if they're going on the path that we want to do, but as long as they're really going and, and conquering and accomplishing something that they love. You know, that's something I'm learning now at 43. Ah, it's beautiful. It's good to see, <laughs> you know, every now and then that, that, that little nudge. It's like we all need it though. You know, yeah. it's not, it doesn't end. It's a healthy thing, but that's what health looks like. That's what a healthy relationship looks like. You know, when you're sitting there with your kids, being able to talk like, oh, I'm thinking about going and doing this thing. That's much better than having your child. Like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. I don't know where I want to go. I'm lost. I never developed a sense of me. It's like, that's totally preventable, totally avoidable. Start talking to your kid, start, start getting to know them instead of telling them who they are. You know, they, they're not your second chance at life. They're their own beings. And you have the privilege of raising them. You have the privilege of, of being that guide, that shaman of life. It's, it's a beautiful thing when you see it and it's, it's frustrating. You know, I've had hundreds and hundreds of messages from men throughout my years of doing this saying, you know, I, d I don't know what I want in life. I don't know who I want to be. You know, my, my father was very overbearing and to the point where I never became a man. It, it's like that hyper aggressive, you'll go out and you'll be the alpha Chad and you're going to be the best one. And you're going to play football and get, you're like, forcing them into this perception of success and they never develop themselves. They develop the character they think the dad will be proud of. And that is a tragedy that that's, that's years and years of, of having to undo damage. If they ever reach that point, you know, it's unfortunate because the opportunities there, they're, they're like a, a blank piece of clay and they, they should be able to shape themselves. And you're kind of there, you play a, like a guiding role. You keep them on the table your daughter who does pottery, you know, you keep the thing from flipping off the table, but your hands are there to kind of guide it. It, it takes its own shape, you know, with your guiding hands. And it, it's cool to see, man, you know, I'm not at that level yet. They're, they're still, you know, like I said, they're young, but they're already showing those signs of independence of kind of going their own way. The conversations we have are absolutely insane. You know, the, we were talking crypto the other day, which I'm sure you'd be proud of. 
you know, my son's super like taxation's theft. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, I love you. But we were talking like, what is crypto? What is freedom? What What is, you know, money? What, what does this all mean? Dad, why do you do what you do? Why we're looking to move? Why do you want to move? A lot of parents would shut this down. And I'm like, no, let's, I want you to see inside my head, you know, and maybe make your own decisions. Maybe tell me something I don't, I'm missing, you know? And when you're a man and you're on your path, you'll know my thought process and why I did what I did. And you can take that and use it to do what you want to do and take your approach to it. And it's like these taboo subjects or this, this weird relationship that we're not allowed to have with our kids. It's preventing us from truly connecting and enjoying our kids. I love that conversation. He was asking me stuff that I was like, let me Google this real quick. I don't know <laughs> how, how to explain a blockchain to, to a child. That sounds awesome. No, it was really cool. It was a good moment, but it, it went to show me like, I really enjoy their company. You know, I like, I, I like my son is probably the coolest dude I know. And he's an 11 year old boy. He's my son. But I'm like, dude, I love this guy. Like fist bump, <laughs> go do your thing, man. And how many fathers view it as like, oh, this is a drain. I want to be doing something else. Well, you haven't given yourself permission to connect. You're not allowing yourself to see the positives of this. And I think, again, back to peacefulfathers.com, that's a part of what you're bringing to the table. And that's what I think we're going to start seeing more of for those who do catch the content and decide to take it and apply it in their lives. Yeah, good. I hope so. (laughs) That is the goal. You know, and I I think I'll throw a little pitch to FOE here. (laughs) The fraternity of excellence. Um, You know, for what you just described with your son in a relationship you're building, It's all about strengthening the bond and and getting better and having good people in your life. This is what you're showing him. And for a long time with me, you know, I had a lot of shitty friends. I had a a lot of um, bad relationships with other people that I had to overcome. And when I said before, when something switched, a a big part of that switch was I, I stopped putting myself in situations where people weren't helping me where they weren't encouraging me to grow, where they weren't pushing me to succeed. And since being an FOE, that's just taken it to a whole different level, right? There's so many men in here that support that growth, that want that that growth for themselves. They want that energy. They want that strength. And that's very important that we teach that to our kids, right? The, and I, I truly believe that. The example that I'm setting with what I'm doing inside, F, um, inside the fraternity, what I'm doing with my website, all this is motivation for them, right? And if we didn't have a connection, why would they listen to me? My, you know, what I did and, and how I speak to them, it's a reflection of what I'm doing and, and the men that I'm bringing into my life. So I no longer accept that empty feeling um, or those, you know, people trying to pull me down. And that's what my kids are seeing with me. And that's the way that their life is starting to shape up. Well, they follow our example not our advice. So you have to live it. You have to embody it, you know, be the message you're trying to share. Don't just tell them, read books, work out, like whatever, get after it. <laughs> and speaking of that, you know, to, to bring some of the weight off the discussion, you know, you're moving into new territory. You're a business owner. You know, you've been running your, your auto body shop for how long now? 26 years. 26 freaking dude. That's a long time to be in business. And now you're shifting. <laughs> now, now you've got a new chapter of your life coming down the pipeline. What, in 2021, do you have or do you plan to be working on with Peaceful Fathers, your message? You know, I know you've got a, a gig coming up to speak. 
there's a lot going on that's totally outside what I would consider your comfort zone. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a this is this is a new chapter of you. So what do you have going down this year and what can people expect? Yeah, this is uncharted territory, that's for sure. Um, but it's, it's, it's exciting. And we're right now I'm revamping the whole website. <clears throat> we're going to continue to, to um, put content out, blog posts. Uh, I want to open it up to a, a more personal feel. I want to get guys to um, hire me as a coach. This way I can help one-on-one. Uh, you know, we're, I'm thinking about starting up a, a private group, a private network network where guys can come in and we can help solve problems together. Speaking at 21 convention, that, that's going to be huge. I'm excited about that. <laughs> a little nervous, but do we have um, any, uh, do we have any insights or any sneak preview <laughs> as to what the topic's going to be? Oh man. Um, yeah, no, I, I want to tie in one of the main topics I want to tie in is to display and embody how being a father is masculine. I think that's something that a lot of men need to hear, that being a caring, loving, and dedicated father is probably one of the most masculine things you can do. Um, of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some insight into how damaging spanking is and hitting your kid. You know, we want to touch on those subjects. And, um, you know, I, I have a lot of topics, a lot of, a lot of things I can share, so... I'm going to have to get them dialed in. If, if you know somebody who can help with that, I'd appreciate that contact info. <laughs> but um, as get far off, as... Get off the podcast. <laughs> as far as any other projects, uh, we're going to continue to push this thing. I'm, I'm going to continue to, to get my name out there and, and try to help dads. Uh, I think it's an important subject. And um, I, I believe there's a lot of value in it. A lot of ways that we can help families, we can help fathers. Uh, you know, so many guys I speak to, whether you're divorced, dad, having trouble, you know, we, we focus on building that connection. This way you are the number one influence, you know, uh, the whether it's a, a broken ex-wife or a stepdad, you know, you want to put up that protection where your kid is connected to you and they're not influenced by that negativity. So there's so many different ideas that, I'm going to get going and, and learn how to help guys. So again, with you being the business owner and you even reading the books and having the talks, but now you're sort of more public have your children or your wife, like how, how are they viewing the new Anthony is out there. Dad is out there on podcasts. He has a blog. Now people are talking to him. You, do you guys talk about that? Do they read your content or listen? Are they going to be listening to this podcast? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so how do they take um, it? You know, what's it like? Is that a new dynamic? Um, yeah, I'm pretty famous in my own home. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Your only fans. They, That's good. They, they support me. Uh, they love the content. You know, a lot of their friends uh, show interest in it. And um, it's it's been nothing but positive, right? As controversial as the subject may be, or there might be some things that make people edgy. Uh, you know, my, my family, they, they're enjoying it. They're real supportive, which I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it's kind of a mutual exchange. I support them. They support me. But, um, yeah, no, it, it's interesting to, to you know, it's, it's like asking your kid if you're being a good dad. You know, I'm doing all this stuff in parenting. And, you know, I have to make sure that I'm being honest and truthful because they're part of my audience. 
So I, I have to keep my credibility legit. I got to stay on course. <laughs> That's a real thing, dude. <laughs> like they will be the first ones to call you out. What do you, you said this, but you did that. <laughs> yeah, we can't have that. No, nah. it's interesting how <laughs> the family kind of plays into it. Uh, the other day, my son's like, yeah, I was listening to the family alpha podcast while I was working out. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> which episode <laughs> we talk about some weird things on here. You know, we go deep and I'm like, I'm not worried about my swearing or anything. It's just, some of the, the discussions, they go like some of the not so pleasant parts of life and that I don't think he's been exposed to. And I'm like, I wonder if he's hearing like, you know, I'm, I'm talking to this dad about murders over here or like all this chaos that's happening and the moves like I sort of filter from them. You know, if he's listening to it, I'm like, go for it, bud. You know, I, I don't mind. Nothing I say is wrong. You know, like you go ahead and listen. If you have any questions, though, don't ever hesitate to ask. You know, and so far, nothing but. There'll be a few episodes he comes across. I can picture him. So what did you mean when you said this? <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'm going to have to worry about that with my content as much. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see when something pops up. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. All right. For people that want to find you and connect, you know, maybe they want to talk about parenting. We didn't even get on crypto. That's incredible. We'll have to save that for another yeah. episode. So anybody that wants to talk to you about uh, parenting advice, you know, your approach or how you would handle things, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, right now, the best way is peacefulfathers.com. You can uh, schedule an appointment with me on that website. And uh, also on Twitter is a good way to find me at Peaceful Fathers. Um, like I said, in the future, relatively, hopefully soon, we're going to be getting more content on Instagram and Facebook. And we're going to get a podcast rolling. So once all that takes shape, um, you know, looking excited, uh, looking forward and excited to, to what's next. Did you say you're getting a podcast rolling? Is that officially public now? <laughs> well, it's in the works. Yes. You heard it first. Family <laughs> Alpha podcast. We're going to have Peaceful Fathers podcast. Soon. I'm very pumped about that. You know, as someone who kind of sees the, the behind the scenes through FOE and some other things we have going on seeing this come to life, you, you definitely want to get on the train early. You know, people don't forget who supported them early on. And this, this thing's about to get, get moving. So with the podcast, with the projects, you know, with working with men, getting a, a community of fathers together, dude, I wish you the absolute best. It's a discussion that needs to be had. I want to thank you for your time for coming on the show. And dude, I just, I'll have you back on in probably not too long. You're, you're becoming one of the most frequent guests on this thing. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate right. it. Yes, sir. Thank you. For everybody that tuned in, connect your family. Don't just listen to podcasts like this and say, oh, that's, I would like that. Apply the information. This isn't about having you be a well-listened individual. It's about you becoming a better man, a better husband, and a better father to your children. You can bring a light inside your home, even inside a dark world. In a world that wants to divide, you can bring connection and unity. It should be your family versus the world. It should be you guys always being able to rely on each other and come to each other. That's what we're working to build. Strong families. Strong families will make strong communities. Strong communities will make a strong country. We can save everything we're working for by working on ourselves. So fix you. It'll fix everything else. Until next time, this has been another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's only community at thefraternityofexcellence.com.
And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at ZachSmall underscore.